thank you for being here with us this morning. We hope that is your prayer, that you would rather have Jesus than anything else. And like I prayed, it's a process. There's things that we have to let go. I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior when I was a young child, seven, eight years old. But it wasn't until in my mid-20s where I finally said, God, you can have it all. And I laid it down at the altar and said, I don't know what you have for me, Jesus. I never saw pastoring in the future. But I don't know what you have for me, Jesus. However, you can have all of my life. And that's our prayer as pastors and leaders. Wherever you're at on that faith journey, we're glad you're here. You're glad you're journeying with us or maybe checking things out today. But Jesus wants all of you. So this, this past four weeks, we have been uh, doing a series uh, called Generous. And it's been a four-part series, and we're in part four today. And we've been, we've been kind of looking at what God wanting all of us, our time, our talents, our treasures, all of us, our whole, our whole heart. So this will be the last part that I'm going to bring uh, Pastor Mark um, approached me about two months ago, and uh, he's going to preach next Sunday. And, and God's been showing a few things to him from Scripture. He's going to India. Him and Dorothy got invited to go to India. And they're going to train some local pastors there. Um, and I think they're going in March. But he's also been corresponding with a pastor from Tanzania. And, and, and God's been doing some amazing work through Pastor Mark and through these pastors in Tanzania. And he wants to share some of that. But as he's kind of been thinking and praying and studying the life of Jesus, he's really been focusing on, on, on a couple words that just keep popping out. Reward and reimbursement. So he came to me um, this week and says, I really want to tie this in with the Generous series. So today's kind of the last Sunday of this series, but next week Pastor Mark's going to bring it one step further. So our main theme from this generous series, as we've started four weeks ago, is we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. Say that with me. We are blessed so that, that we can be a blessing. And wasn't it a blessing this morning to hear and see all these children up here? That's what we're after the heart of all of us and our young people every sunday for 10 minutes at the beginning of sunday school pastor dave and a team takes the song of the month and he teaches the, the the young people and he embeds it into their heart and we're hoping that grabs a hold of their lives whatever song it is that month and grabs a heart hold of their heart so that their lives will be changed because of it we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. So that we can know the generous love of God and generous grace of God that flows to us and then it doesn't stay here. It comes to us and then it flows out through us into the world that we are a part of. And this God who is extraordinarily generous wants us to be hilariously generous. And we looked at that over the last Three weeks. So today, as we start, we are going to uh, read a very familiar passage out of uh, the book of Matthew. 
and you'll be like, where is Pastor Ryan go with me, going with this? But just, just track with me for a while. So let's stand in honor of God's word. The words will be up on the screen. Um, it's Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read 13 through 21, and then we'll come back to the passage in a little bit, in a little while. Let's read the word of God together. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot for many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stopped by the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, this is not necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up twelve baskets of leftovers. About five thousand men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Father, these are your words from the Holy Scripture. 2,000 years ago, you came as a son of God and took on human form. And you spoke these words and you did these miracles. And today, Father, we get to read about those in the word of God. They're as true as they were then as they are now and they will be in 2,000 years from that if you do not return. So, Father, this morning, may the words of my mouth... The, the meditation of my heart, um, do justice to what this passage means, especially as we talk about being generous with our time, with our talents, and with our treasures. But Father, it's not just me, it's your Holy Spirit working through me. The same Holy Spirit that will work through each and every one that are here, that is here this morning. Fa some, Father, for the very first time. Some that are here every week for the last 40, 50 years. But God, we all need you. And we need a touch from you today. So, Father, meet us where we're at and make us move forward in our faith journey. We pray this in your precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please take a seat. So I want to begin with one simple truth, one simple thought as we start. True generosity. Everything that we've been talking about these last four weeks is contagious. Say this with me. True generosity is contagious. So a few years ago, there was a man by the name of Charles. He was a 59-year-old, and he was homeless. He decided one day to rummage through a garbage can. Now, this garbage can was not far from where he had stayed for a few nights at the local mission. And as he was digging through this particular garbage can, he found this box, and he pulled the box up, and he looked at all the treasures that were inside of it. And one thing that was inside of it was an envelope. And it had a woman's name on it, but in that envelope, there was $21,000 of U.S. saving bonds. He had not been homeless long. 
He had only recently lost his job as a roofing um, employer. And as he stood there with that envelope in his hand, he knew that he could go right around the corner on the street and sell those savings bonds for $9,000. But he also knew that it was highly unlikely that somebody dumped those on purpose. The name was on the envelope. Other treasures were in that box. And he decided to turn them in. Every last bit of the saving bonds and the rest of that box. And it turned out that the person that had dumped the box had recently been widowed. And she was going through her husband's stuff and put it in a bag and brought it and put it in that dumpster that, that previous day. Her son was extremely grateful, and she was too, that Charles had returned all those treasures. And, he, and they gave him a $100 tip, which was great because he did not have $100 when he started digging. So to have a Benjamin in his hand was such a needed blessing for Charles. But as it turned out, this story made it to the local news. And it became very popular. And the local news, they, they, they gave it to their affiliate and it went nationwide. Now some of the viewers that watched that thought that a $100 tip was not near enough. So they took matters into their own hands. And right away, Charles received eight bags of bottles and cans from a neighbor and a box of coins as a gift. And then two other people combined their effort and they gave him $2,400. And then two men from Troy, Indiana said, that's, that's good, all these gifts. They partnered and they got some of their money, but then they gave him a, home, uh, a shopping spree to the men's warehouse. And they gave him a lead on the job, which eventually led to a job that he had. And he loved how he looked. And he loved what was happening through this. And before it was all said and done, he had accumulated over $10,000, new threads, a new car, a new job, and even a recording artist from Memphis, Tennessee, wrote a song about this and agreed to give him 10% of the proceeds of that new song. Because generosity is contagious. When you see someone that is authentic and selfless, when you see someone that does not have much and they use what they have to be generous, something happens inside of us that are watching. Something is triggered, not here even, but deep down in the heart from our toes. Remember the first week? From the heel all the way down, something is triggered. We, 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 could, we could King James it up a little bit and say generosity begets generosity. When you see generosity, it triggers something within. And, and like this story, it triggers like, what, what have I done with that $21,000? What if I kept it to myself? Would I given it away? Would I keep it in half? What, what have I done with that? When you see generosity, it triggers something within. 
Now remember at the beginning of this conversation that we had a few weeks ago, God is a generous God. Repeat that with me. God is a generous God. Embedded in the very account of creation, we see a God who, who, who at the beginning, God has always been, but at the beginning he lavished love and grace and, and goodness and order and everything on his creation. Just poof! Just out of the goodness of who he was and who he is. And out of that generosity, Scott Peterson was created. And, and Maggie Bowman was created. And Dave Nienheis was created. Out of that generosity of God, God created every one of us in his image. Which means that somewhere buried deep inside of us, we have the character of God. We have that character of generosity deep down within us. And for some of us, it's right there on the surface. And for others, it's hidden way deep down. And it needs to be awakened. And it needs to be responded to. It's kind of like this um, clip I'm going to show you. It's a, not a new clip. It's been over YouTube for probably the last 12 years. It's a baseball game between the Diamondbacks and the Brewers. And as you watch this clip, I, I want you not to pay too much attention to the, the young boys. You will be moved by them. But I want you to pay attention to the announcers and how they are responding to what they are seeing happen. The, the game continues, and they have totally lost focus of the game because they were such in awe of the generosity of these, this young, young boy. So let's watch this a minute. Our person of the week, sitting in the crowd of thousands at the Arizona Diamondbacks game, a 12-year-old boy watching the game, about to do something that would catch not only their eyes in the announcer's booth, but ours too. We couldn't believe what we were seeing. It was the fourth inning. A player tosses a ball into the stands. Two little boys wanted it, but only Ian McMillan would get it. Oh, look at that young Brewers fan. Now, wait a minute. He is, did he get, no. <laughs> oh, boy. He's sour. He is sour. The Diamondback fan got it. The announcers watching with their own play-by-play. -play. Oh, he's bummed Are out. you kidding me? This kid's going to do this? Oh, yeah. yeah. That is big time. Oh, my right goodness. There. What a nice young man. Well, he's got a Diamondback hat. We have to get something for that kid got, in the red. I can't something. believe I just witnessed that. That is that just, awesome. You, that, young man, are a young star. You, are awesome. The game would go on, Ian having given up his prized catch. But then a phone call. It seemed someone had seen his kindness on TV. He's being told right now that he's being praised on TV. Yeah, he's big league. Late today, we met Ian too. I thought it was the right thing to do. Like I saw the kid, he was really sad, so I decided just to give the ball back. And my mom and my dad like taught like taught me that way, so it's kind of just like natural. And it didn't end there for that kid. He, he got to throw out a first pitch at a game and a few weeks later, he got invited on Good Marinating America to tell his story, and he was all over the news because people were astounded by his generosity. And I can't get my, my reaction away from the announcers. They watched this unfold, and they want to do something. Oh, we got to do something right away. We have to get that kid something. They had this contract that they had him they had him sign. They gave him a bat with Justin. I think it was Justin Up Up Upton's um, signature, and they just kept pouring it on. They had to do something because generosity is contagious. Generosity begets 
generosity. Say it with me. Generosity begets generosity. It's not only when we see generosity, but it's even stronger when you experience generosity yourself. I want you to think about a time in your life when somebody has been generous to you. A time where somebody has given you something or done something. So think about it. I could tell you so many stories in my own life. I want you to think about it. Now, what did that motivate you to do? Were you generous in return? Did you take that generosity and, 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 and spread it on? I was talking in the office this week about receiving generosity. And uh, one person in the office said their favorite, one of their favorite things to do on Facebook is to go on the All These page on Facebook. I'm like, okay, like shopping there? Yeah. And, but, she's, but it was said, my favorite thing to do is to go on there and hear the stories of generosity from each other. I mean, how many of you go to all these with, I can't find my quarter? So you walk up to the carts and like, oh, I hope somebody's got a quarter in here. And often there's a quarter left in the, in, in, in the, in the to pull that plug out of there. But on this Aldi page, so I went to that Aldi, Aldi page, and it was more than just Stories about the quarters. But it was the stories about people paying for each other's groceries. A single mom that was going through the line and hardly had any money left. And the person in front of her said, I will pay for all this young lady's groceries. When we were going through our adoption, we had story after story after story about that. I left $300 one time on top of the car. We had nothing. Like, we were broke. Stacy's going to the 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 store to get groceries, and I left the money on top of the car. So she gets to the grocery store, fills up all of her cart, and there, brings it up front, puts all of it through. She had no money. It's gone. The checkbook didn't work. We had brand new checks. It's just a whole story of things. We didn't tell anybody this. The next day we get up I think it was Saturday morning or something. We got home or something. I don't know exactly the details of it. In our front porch was groceries on top of groceries on top of our groceries. Somebody's generosity. <laughs> they said, we found out later who it was. And I said, because watching you guys walk through these adoption processes and you're being generous, generous with your time and your resource and everything else, we want it to be a blessing to you. And I think we can all tell stories about how we've been generous or people have been generous to us. The power of an act of generosity is incredible. Generosity begets generosity. Generosity is contagious. In fact, it's not just opinion, but it's, and, and it's not, it's been proven by social scientists and stuff as well. Generosity is a biblical truth. And I love how when biblical truths are supported by science. So, so, so there's a young, there's a guy, his name was Nicholas Christakis. 
He was a sociologist at Harvard, and he had a partner called James Fowler was his name. He was a professor of political science, and they studied the power of generosity. And they set up a, a, up a controlled experiment where they observed people who played this money-sharing game that they had developed. And over the course of this game, people, people gave and they received money. And along the ways, they received money basically two ways. One, through their jobs, through their employment, through their wages. And one, when people just gave money to them out of the goodness of their heart. They were being generous. And what these two guys observed was, when players received generosity, the more generous they would become. The authors did not allow the people to repay the person who was generous to them. But the neat thing they observed was people would pay it forward. The more received, the more generous they would become. And this is what Fowler concluded. The more we experience true, authentic, selfless generosity, we don't go back to being our old, selfish self. It's so easy to be selfish with our, with our time and with our talents and with our treasures. But as Christ followers, we are called to be different. We have known and experienced the generosity of God. Psalm 36, verses 5 through 8 says, Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. We, re we feast on the generous abundance of God, on his knee-high grass, as we talked about in week, week two. The abundance comes from a heart of God, and we receive it by being in relationship with Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You and I are both aware of the depth and the breadth of the sin in our lives. You, you know what Jesus has rescued you from. You know the abundant life that God has given you. And with that abundant life comes all the resources of heaven. They're at our disposal. Our generosity is to be like that of God because God is generous and we should have been changed by his gospel. Matthew 7 says this, the unregenerate know how to give good gifts to their children. So anybody can give good, good gifts. But how much more our Heavenly Father, who gives good gifts to his children, who ask him. So as a believer, we know the generosity of God. Ask God for you to be a blessing Ask God so you can be blessed so that you can be a blessing out of the gospel that has changed our life. We are generous because God is generous. This overflow of generosity becomes contagious when we live it out. When we see it or experience it, something is triggered deep down in our soul that should make us generous from that point forward. And I think that's exactly what our text was talking about this morning. So back to what we read at the beginning in Matthew chapter 14. The disciples come to Jesus with this, which seems like a very compassionate request. 
They had empathy on the crowd that was uh, around them. And, and, the, and they, say, they say, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy food for themselves. They were having compassion. But Jesus said, that is not necessary. You feed them. But we only, but we only, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Have you ever thought of the significance of having an only? I want us to focus on that word and that phrase for a few minutes. Sometimes I think we are demoralized, discouraged, when we think, what I have is not enough. We're prone to think of the, the terms of capacity. I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I don't, I don't have enough of this. I don't have enough time to get everything done. I don't have enough resources to do what I want to do. I don't have a talent to use. And we are prone to think that life is scarce, that there's limited amount of resources, and we don't have enough. And we forget about the abundance of God, feasting on his abundance where there is enough. Yes, we still have the same amount of time, but there is enough when we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But what's interesting in this text is the disciples don't come to Jesus and say, well, we don't have any food. They only say, we have only this amount. Never underestimate the power of having only something when you have God. Never underestimate the power of having only something when you're in a relationship with the king of the universe who created everything. And in fact, it's embedded throughout the word of God. It's, in, it's weaved throughout our faith story, this power of only. Think of Moses. God tells Moses, I'm calling you to set my people free. You will be a great liberator, Moses. There will be new life that erupts from my people as they cross into the promised land. Moses says to God, yeah, I'm so excited to go. Let's go do this. And he says, no, you made a mistake. I can't speak very good. I don't have a following. I don't know. I don't know you that well. Exodus 4.4, the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? He said, a staff. A staff that he would use to separate the waters of the Red Sea. A staff that he would use to hit a rock and bring forth water. A staff that he would hold above his head and his people would remain victorious in battle. But his perspective was it was a staff. Only a staff. Or what about David? David, you're about to go into battle. You will face a formidable enemy. He outsizes you. He outpowers you. He outarmors you. So the people around him say, David, when you go in there, put on some of Saul's armor. Pick up his shield. Take his sword. Put his helmet on. So David tries. But it's too big. It's too cumbersome. It makes it awkward for him as he travels forward. So he takes it off. He picks up his weapon of choice, a slingshot and five stones, and he approaches Goliath. Goliath looks over David, and Goliath becomes even angrier that this small, ruddy-faced boy would even approach him. 
And as David approaches the giant, he roars at David and says, Am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by, da- by his gods. David, you can't make it because you're just a boy and all you have is a stick that you think you're going to kill me with. Never underestimate the power of having only when God goes before you. Never underestimate the power of only when God goes before you. How about Jeremiah? He received a call from God when he was young. God's first message to him can be found in Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Pause. That's true for every single one of us in this room. God knew you and he set you apart before you were even in the womb. I appointed you, Jeremiah, as a prophet to the nations. That should have given Jeremiah some resolve. Like, yeah, I got this. But what was his response in verse 6? Ah, sovereign Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. Lord, you knew me before I was born. But I don't even know how to speak. Lord, you knew me before I was a baby. Well, I still feel like one. I'm only a child. He was probably between 13 and 16 years old. And I can see his protest. But never, young people, never use that as an excuse. You're only this age. Or I only have this much talent. Or only this much. Where God calls... He will provide. But we need to lay our onlys at his feet. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says this. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Never underestimate what God can do when you give him your onlys. Esther, she was only a Hebrew peasant. But she had the ear of the king, and eventually God would use her to set the people free. And she trusted God that God would provide. Or Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, there's a baby in you. He will be born. What? I'm a teenager. I'm a virgin. I'm only this. This can't be. And what about the one verse in the word of God that I mentioned earlier on which all of our faith hangs in the balance. For God so loved the world that he gave what? His one and only son. Never underestimate what God can do when you give him your only. You tracking with me? How many of you have onlys? Be honest with yourself. So Jesus takes the basket the five loaves of bread, the two fish, and he looks up towards heaven and he blesses them. Then breaking the loaves, he gives the bread to the disciples who are to distribute it to the people. We need to pause right there and do a little thinking. Right here in this part of the story, there's some different things we need to think about. First, the passage here in Matthew tells us that 
disciples brought him only their five fish and loaves. He looks up to heaven. He blesses them. And most of the time, we interpret this through Hollywood or Disney. Like holding it up and all of a sudden it's like popcorn. Pop, 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 pop. And just overflows. And we believe God can do that, right? He is able to do exceedingly and abundant above what we can. All things are possible with God. So that shouldn't take us by surprise. But imagine being the people there watching that. But another miracle, something else that I want us to, to think about, was the crowd that was sitting there as Jesus made this lunch. You, you're going to need to track with me for a little bit here. So there's 5,000 men there and all their women and children, and there's probably well over 10,000, 15 or more probably. Do you think in a crowd that big, nobody brought any provisions that day? Nobody brought sandwiches. Nobody brought cheese in their pocket to snack on. In Mark 6, we get a little bit, a, a little different glimpse into the same story. So I have the verses on the screen, but Matthew 14 and Mark 6 is the account of this. It says in verse 37 and 38, but Jesus said, you feed them with what they asked. We have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. So they came back and reported, we have five loaves and two fish. So did the disciples go to the crowd and that's all they could find? Did they ask the crowd and they're like, nope, you're not having mine. That's for me and my family. Did they, did they just go to themselves and look in their own baskets and that's all they could find? Probably, that's what I probably think, but we don't know. I think it's fair to, to the text to say that people probably came with provisions that day. Especially they were Jewish, and if you know how they prepared, you would understand that. That's why I think Mark's account even goes a little bit further. It says this in, in verse 39. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So run that through for a moment. They're sitting in groups. So I always thought they're sitting in groups is easier to disperse, which is probably true. But they probably also had some provisions with them in that groups where they sat. So they're all sitting there watching Jesus and these 13, these 12 other guys perform this miracle. And they watch Jesus do this. And Jesus and the disciples, they don't take anything for themselves right away. They bring it out to the crowds. And they go around to each group and they're feeding each group. And they have an abundance. The text says they had 12 basketfuls remaining. But I envision some of these families sitting there picking up their food, what they have in their basket, and they're like, wow, I have a little, and God, Jesus, gave me more. He, 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 he got it, he blessed it, and then he gave it. And then maybe they dug in their pocket, and they pulled out their cheese, and they looked at it, and then maybe they offered a prayer up to God. And then maybe they gave it to those around them. Generosity is contagious. 
what would happen if you and I were to look at the basket that God has given us? To evaluate our lives and ask, ask God, what is it that you've given me that you want me to give? I want you to think about these verbs here. Jesus blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it. On the night before he was crucified, listen to the same verbs that he used around the table. He took the bread, he took the cup, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. Right? And then on the road to Emmaus, same thing. He's walking with these men. They don't know who he is. They, they, they get to this house, sit down and have a meal with Jesus and ask Jesus to pray for it. Jesus takes the food, he blessed it, he broke it, and they gave it to eat to each other. There's power in those verbs. When will you and I allow those verbs of blessing, breaking, and giving awaken something in our lives? Because we've all been given something. We've all been given time. We've all been given talents. We've all been given financial resources. We have the basket. But are we using what's in that basket for his glory? Or are we hoarding it for ourselves and saying, uh, I need to keep this. I don't quite trust, don't know what to do with this. Have we ever considered taking our baskets and breaking them for his glory. God promises us in Proverbs eleven twenty five that the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. All through our culture, people are looking at ways to get refreshed. They're doing hobbies. They're, they're, they're finding ways to refresh themselves. And them are good at times. But God says, if you ultimately want to be refreshed, be generous. Take what I've given you in your basket in your life. Ask for my blessing on it. I will break it. I will multiply it. And then you can give it away. That's how you're going to be refreshed. Amen? So I've given you three questions last week that I want you to think about as we wrapped up this series. I wanted to talk about generosity is contagious today as we thought about these questions. What is one way I will prioritize God's kingdom with my time? How can I build up God's kingdom with my talent? And what's the next step God is calling me to, in, to take in my giving this year, financial giving this year? So I have these cards here. Can I get um, Jackson and uh, Ethan? Can you guys come and just kind of hand those out if people don't have these cards from last week? But I challenge you to start somewhere last week. You don't need to take them, but if you want to, that would be great. I, I challenge you to, to take this card home and start somewhere. What is it that God would have me do? Maybe it's just one step. And pray about it. Talk to God. What is this one step that I need to take in my generous Then I asked you, the third one, 
the acronym STEP. Start somewhere, talk to God, embrace first fruits giving was the E. Look at these three areas, time, talent, and treasure, and say, God, what is it that I can give? I talked to one of my kids this week about the whole, the tithing. It was a great conversation. And they're like, we don't make a lot of money. I'm like, I understand that. Well, how can you tithe your time? God's given each of us the same amount of hours. There's 168 hours in a week. If you sleep for eight hours a day, you would be awake for 112 hours a week. Take 10% of that time and say, God, I want to use this time for your glory. I mean, all the time, of course. But specifically, I'm going to go to church for a while, for a couple hours. I want to attend a Bible study. I want to serve somewhere. Tithe your time. Find a talent. Look at our finances. We all look at our finances differently. We all have different finances. But I challenge you to do something. Now, some of you are sitting and say, say, I'm not sure what God's calling me to do. Keep talking to him. I love FBC. You guys are generous people. And I thank you for that. And there should be no guilt about, oh, I got to do this or Pastor Ryan. No. We talked about it's all about the heart. True generous giving comes from the heart. So as you evaluate and do the, think through these things, you'll see it's divided. This top part is for you to keep for yourself and put out in the fridge at home. Or you and your spouse to pray over. The bottom part is for you to rip off. And we're going to give you an opportunity today to do two things. One, give this to somebody else so they can help hold you accountable to what you pledge to. The second thing is, if you want and if you're comfortable with it, Drop it in the basket here during the last song. And every Monday, the pastors and whoever prays with us, an elder sometimes pops in, we'll pull out a couple of these cards and we will pray over these. And we'll say, God, bless these people as they figure out how they want to be generous. And we will pray specifically. Does that make sense? So generosity is contagious. We are blessed so that we will be a blessing. Praise team, come on up as I close in prayer. So Father, sometimes we can just sit here and hear messages for four weeks and, 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 and just kind of in one year and out the other. This morning I'm just asking people to, to put something down on paper. Maybe just the words, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. And maybe some certain steps have to be taken. So, Father, this isn't in judgment. This isn't, this is just us offering our whole lives to you. And even this morning, there might be some in here that don't know you as their personal Savior. And maybe this morning, they have to give their lives to you. And that might be their first step in this journey of faith that you have them on. So, Father, whatever journey they're on, Father, whatever they put on these papers, whatever conversations they have, bless them this week. Father, multiply what's in our basket. Bless it. So that we can give it and be a blessing to someone else. 
And through that, what a difference we can make in Oceana County. The generosity of our God is displayed through us. Your hands and feet, wherever we go. Father, we love you. In his precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.